Lovely chocolate. Vegan sausage rolls. Lovely bubbly rhubarb. 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 Testing. Rhubarb. Rhubarb. Do you like my Loctrin? Yes. 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 Welcome to David. Let me adjust this microphone. Welcome to David part two. Where today we talk about... Oh no, I just closed my notes. Hello everyone, thank you so much for clicking on us. Welcome to Accessory to Thought. This is uh, part two of the David episode. What did we call that episode last time? David. David. This is David 2. The sequel. <laughs> um, we're not saying King David because he's not king yet. Um, where we left off was uh, I basically, uh, just a quick summary of part one. We ran through David's relationship with Saul and uh, Saul's son Jonathan and his brothers and his father and a very unfortunate bear and a very unfortunate lion. We Bible joke for you is there. Um, but uh, yeah, so essentially... Uh, saw basically his mental state completely deteriorates due to jealousy, depression, and anger that David has been anointed king. He's not king yet, though. He's not king for a good few years, but just Saul knows that he's going to be king. He's going to replace him. And he's just so angry and so jealous. But there's more than meets the eye here because not only is it... He's taking all this frustration out on David because... When you when you're new and you read the Bible, it it just kind of seems unrealistic that Saul is just chasing David because he's angry that he's going to be king one day. That's not it. All right, Saul has a clear hatred for David because it's the only thing that he can get, that he gets to hate. It's the only thing that he can take out his depression and his frustration out on. All right, now and that's very serious. And the reason why he's so depressed and so frustrated is because God has basically turned his face away from him. Because Saul first turned his way from God. And he's basically overthinking the consequences that could entail. One of the biggest ones is David's going to be king at some point. So yeah, so basically left thought is uh, Saul's completely mad with jealousy and uh, hunting for David. And uh, so David is pretty distraught. There is no uh, where else he can go where Saul won't kill people to search for him. So David goes to the Philistines, which is the big baddies, the big sworn enemy of all of Israel. And he befriends a, just a, one of the kings there in the kingdoms. And uh, and David that does, he's married with two wives at the minute, and he's got 600 loyal men following him. He basically does a bunch of um, sort of quests and tasks for this king to earn the king's trust. And um, the king supplies them with a village or a, a small town in which he can uh, stay safe in within the borders of the Philistines' territory. Um, and I would encourage you to read it for yourself because there's like tons and tons of more battles that happen and you know I, I'm, I'm really just going to go through the main kind of bits the main dramatic um, uh, uh, bits in, in David here if you want to read about battles and stuff you can do that yourselves um, because they are quite significant as well um, in the future uh, one of my episodes because I'm going through the heroes of old um, there's just battles everywhere so don't you worry I will do an episode all about battles at some point in the future so uh, Saul hears of it 
heroes of this wee village and he, he, he can't pursue because um, right now he just can't afford another war and um, there's still loads of fighting happening within th their own borders within like houses just going against houses and it's a really it's a really kind of it the nation is kind of reflecting Saul's emotional state it's just self-destructive and it's it's going downhill right so um yeah and as i said like before the entire story of david could be like one of the best tv shows of all time genuinely this the twists and the plots and the and the, and the battles and the and the betrayals and the covenants that are made it it's absolutely crazy and again i highly recommend first and second samuel give it a good read so um phil steins uh wage war against uh like it's the inevitable thing everybody unites together the philistines within their borders they unite together and make a massive giant army and they're going to finally um take over and uh, destroy uh houses of judah and israel and the hebrews and all of that so uh saul in his complete stress uh goes and speaks to a medium now it's worth to mention Saul hunted down, it says, all mediums and all necromancers hunted down and executed in the name of God. And that was his attempt to try and please God because, as I said, God turned his face from Saul and Saul desperately wants that back. And he, d he disguised himself, didn't he? And he did. Uh, he completely disguised himself so nobody would see him doing this. Well, because, uh, what, divination was outlawed, wasn't it? Absolutely. So if you see the king doing did something that he outlawed or... That would cause He's even more for enforcing outlaw. Yeah, cause even more. And he only brought two uh, faithful men with him as well. So Saul speaks to a medium and consults, and then the medium asks, "Who do you want me to summon up? Who do you want me to? Who do you want to speak to? Who is dead?" And um, in the in the first part, if we we talk a lot about Samuel, Samuel actually died a few years ago. So and it's the only he is the only person that Saul openly trusted, and I think it's worth to mention because. Like it was from Samuel, it was the word of it was the words that came out of Samuel's mouth that sort of started the spiral because it was Samuel being the prophet of God telling him, "Now nah, he's turned his face from you. You've been made an enemy of God." So Saul then, missing his once good friend and his only and his only connection to God, uses this very evil kind of barbaric hedonistic way to kind of try and communicate to the dead and samuel basically says right mate <laughs> did you not listen to me earlier well samuel was basically like what are you doing yeah it literally goes uh, i'll get why have you done this i get what he says here it's 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 my that's actually quite haunting as well which is probably there. why have you done yeah. this so um so wait uh, so yeah so it's the medium of endor and um Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went and he went with two men with him and they came to the woman by night and he said divine for me by a spirit and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you the woman said to him surely you know that Saul what Saul has done now he has cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death but Saul swore to her by the Lord as the Lord lives no punishment shall come upon you for this thing then whom shall I bring up for you he said, bring up Samuel for me. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, why have you deceived me? You are Saul, seeing through his disguise. The king said to her, do not be afraid. What do you see? Oh. 
Um, and the woman said to Saul, I see God, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, what is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up and he is wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Then Samuel said to Saul, why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I'm in great distress for the Philistines are warring against me and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore, I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. So he's completely distressed. Like, And Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor David. Because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek, therefore the Lord has done the thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. So basically, Israel will be defeated tomorrow by the um, into the hand of Israel. And tomorrow, this is the haunting bit, you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel into also into the hands of the Philistines. And then Saul fell at once length onto the ground and filled with fear because of the words of Samuel. So yeah, it's pretty terrifying. He's basically told Saul, there's no hope for you. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. And actually that little, that fills, that's like a little bit of hope if you actually look at that. Because, you know, Saul finally will have this kind of peace rest anyway so oh my god just get my back out again sorry so yeah so you can imagine saul's mental state i mean i went over this quite a lot in part one he's just completely under his foundations as i would say he's completely lost sight of it of what he needs to do so um we just go so we're probably wondering what david is doing and I'll focus a lot about Saul. We're probably wondering what David's doing at the minute. As I said, David went to find some um, help with from with the Philistines. Um, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So he went to find help with the Philistines. He did a bunch of, and I told you to read the battles about that and stuff. So anyway, so David, he spent a few years with the uh, Philistine king. And as I said, the Philistines all united their armies against Israel. And David, wanting to once again show his worth, wanted to fight with the philistines because he, he he was afraid that if he didn't then he would be regarded as an enemy and it was in god's grace that actually all the chief officers of the philistine army said this guy is is, is, is of the enemy oh what if what if we start to fight and he turns on us and 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 turns the battle astray and um david's philistine friend is like this man has been with me for years and he has done nothing to to show doubt in who he is um, but the but the guys are not having it, so they tell him and his entire host of six hundred men to go home. And then so the battle inevitably begins, and um, it gets to the point where Saul and his two, and his three sons, his three eldest sons, including Jonathan, David's best friend, are basically surrounded on a mountain, and uh, with bows and arrows are basically rained down on them, and. Um, Saul's sons are killed beside Saul and Saul is incredibly wounded by the arrows and he's dying and he turns to his um, uh, armor bearer who according to history are these pretty much pretty much boys who obviously bear the armor of the king and they have a very close relationship it's this sort of like a squire kind of thing or a, or a ward and um, because David was 
um, Saul's armor bearer back when David was younger. And he says to his armor bearer, this this boy, kill me, for I will not have one of these uncircumcised uh, uh, Philistines kill me. And the boy, obviously having that relationship with Saul, refuses to do it. So Saul basically takes out his sword and falls upon it, killing himself. And it's quite... When I read that, it did take me aback because, you know, when you read these kind of tragic stories about mental deterioration and, like, how people just don't see a way out, they inevitably take their own lives. And I... Honestly, I hadn't read this for years. And when I read that, with the knowledge that I have now, you know, it kind of just stopped me. I was like, that's like... That's just the kind of classic ending you know when all is lost you just end yourself and then thus Samuel prophesied once more you know that him and his sons will join him and so they did so that then was the end of Saul essentially with his brain deterior mental deterioration but it gets a little bit more interesting as it always does in the story of David the Philistines um come up to the mountain where they shot the arrows and they find that um, they find the remains of uh, Saul and his sons and they take up their bodies, behead them and they claim that they killed them and they hang them on their walls of their cities um, for all of the land to fear that they killed the great Saul and all of his line um, but there was a family loyal to Saul. Essentially, they raided the city in a desperate effort. They took the bodies of the of their of their king, and they um and they and they buried them in this act of defiance, saying, "No, this is ours." And there was there was a few there was there were witnesses to Saul killing himself because they they fled from the Philistines, and one of them came to David, and this is the first time David finding out that not only Saul. But Jonathan, his best friend, was killed. But the messenger um, telling David this essentially said, I, I, I went up and I killed Saul, thinking, because everybody knows that Saul wanted to kill David, so this messenger, thinking that he was going to get fame and glory for finally killing the hunter of David, that David was going to reward him. But David's furious, and he, and he has the man executed because... And it's quite it's quite hard to interpret, but he still had love for Saul and Jonathan, Saul's family. It wasn't anything David had done, because um, earlier David refuses to kill Saul a total of two times when he had the chance, because David understood the mental side. David understood that Saul, this was a problem with Saul and not with him. You know if. If you if you saw someone who had a really huge problem with you and you've done nothing wrong, you know, and, and you wanted to try everything you could to make it better, the last thing you want to do is kill them. You know, you want to try and you want to try your best. And when David heard of this, he tore his robes and he fasted and he cried out until he was too weak to cry anymore. And it was really quite emotional, really quite touching that all the things that Saul had done, David still felt love for him. <clears throat> and it's just, 
it's really quite impactful. It's really quite the story. And how am I how am I how is this fit in our episode today? Well, I'm still continuing on with the key thing, I believe, in the stories of David, and that is obviously the relationships developed between friends, between things and stuff. And it only we're looking at a very different kind of relationship between David and Saul. David and Saul started off as the best of friends. David would play music for Saul because we all know because we do know Saul had these anger problems and he'd lash out. And we know that David was would play music to Saul to calm him down. So right away they have this, and it was years and years ago they had these this relationship. And and David is still a young man; he's around thirty years old by the time Saul is killed. So, so it's still kind of it's still pretty fresh. And you know if you have all of these things playing out in David's head, could you imagine the hopes that David had? the hopes that he could one day come back to his homeland and Saul would finally accept what God has said that David was to be, was to be king. And David still isn't king as well. He is not king until like a few years later. Even though Saul is dead, he, he's not king yet. All right. He's a king in God's eyes, but there's a process. There's a whole process and we'll get to that later. As I said, there is such a raw kind of one-sided, one-sided hope that David could finally, you know, come back and be accepted. He can be with his best friend, um, um, Jonathan. And it says in the Bible that Jonathan's love for David surpassed any love of a woman. That's not to say it was romantic. That's to say that he just, there was this brotherly, pure, like, selfless love that they had because Jonathan so many times met with David and they planned to keep David safe for David's own sake. It was nothing, it was no, there was no assassination attempts because Jonathan loved his father because his father was Saul. And it's just, it's just so tragic that when this happens, it's like in any book you read or anything, it's like the, it's like the big hard hitting kind of twist. If you've seen Game of Thrones, or if you haven't seen Game of Thrones, um, probably like fast forward this because I'm going to spoil it. But when Ned Stark, you know, like uh, is killed off because of a lie, you know, it's like really impactful. And you're like, oh, no, as the turning point. And then you get to like the Red Wedding and it's like even more worse. This is like that part in um, the story of David. Finally, actually, it's not even his rage and stuff. It's finally over. But it was completely abused and used by the philistines and so david comes back and he's mourning and he's a little bit he's a little bit more broken and he he's, he's finally safe now but and it's just so ironic because he's, he's finally safe from saul but he's mourning him and he mourns him day and night he mourns jonathan day and night and it, it's just it's just quite as i said i keep on saying impactful how do how do, how do we relate to this how do we how do we relate to this in our culture today? We are especially in this culture, we are wrapped up in stories. We absolutely love a good story. Be it a video game, be it a movie, um, although movies are letting us down at the minute with the whole agenda going on. But we absolutely love escapism. We love stories because life is just a bit crap at the minute. 
with COVID, with the world kind of looking like it's just gone a bit upside down, with all these conspiracy theories flying around, we just don't seem to be able to get any kind of peace and quiet until we open up a good book or we uh, turn on the Xbox or we have a good conversation with a good friend. Things only seem to get better whenever we remove ourselves from the world. And (laughs) that sounds really bad, like, I'm not talking about removing yourself as in, you know, killing yourself or anything like that. Um, I'm talking about escapism. I'm talking about how David, his whole life, was trying to escape this tyrant. Well, it wasn't even a tyrant. He was he was a man troubled deeply to the core, to the point where he saw no other option but to kill his own self. That's not a tyrant. That is a, that's a sad, sad, tragic story. And... Yeah, you go through this dark period when you read through Samuel until you get to until you you actually there's a little there's a little paragraph that says it's the last remaining heir of Saul's house and it's Jonathan's son and he's a really really long name beginning with M so I'm just going to call him M because <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it but um, M basically has been crippled he can't walk he his two feet are crippled. Um, because um in in because the and he's just a child he's five he was five years old when he was crippled because um when people came to kill the rest of Saul's household the the servant so the sort of the nurse of M um in her rush to save him dropped him and he his feet were then crippled uh, he broke his he broke his feet and obviously in that back then that was a pretty serious thing and he was crippled for. Oh, uh, for the rest of his life at five years old and he then he uh, he completely escapes and it's not until about maybe 10 chapters later that after so after david has been anointed king for all the people to see and uh, he's not king yet though because um there's the saul 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 um there's the saul's son the one who wasn't in the battle who was actually a boy and wasn't there he's then is king for two years but then he's like um, killed off as well, so it's it's just even more tragic. But basically, when David becomes king, he desperately asks, "Is there any more survivors of the house of Saul?" And there's a guy called um, pretty much uh, Zag Zag or something like that. We're going to call him Z because I can't pronounce his name either, <laughs> um, or Zed. Sorry, Zed basically says, "Yes, I've been hiding away." in secret um the last remaining heir of um Saul's house and so David then basically adopts him as his own son says you will always eat at my table and all of Saul's house I was so to you and this is Jonathan's son as well so that they basically you know this is the closest this is a son this is this boy is the closest thing he's not even a boy anymore he's about 15 at this stage so and this boy is the um, the only connection that David has, only living connection that David has to the family that he grew up with, basically. The only memory that he has. And he and people were like, oh, look, he's going to finally take his vengeance out on M. But no, he shows forgiveness, he shows mercy, and he wraps up M and he says, look, I will, you are... You are treat you as one of my own and he sets up M for life and the reason why we don't hear anymore about the house of Saul is because it's it has that happy-ish kind of ending of that kind of satisfying moment where 
this the grandson of Saul takes all that is and goes a lot about his way and he lives and he and he has a son as well um em has a son and he grows to be a really good man and uh, it's just it's really quite emotional i do really get quite emotional whenever i read about this story because i don't know we can just it just it's so there's something so attractive about it something so intimate i guess about this kind of relationship that david shows and it's and it reminds me a lot of jesus christ it reminds me because if if we if we just had the new testament and some of what you think about if we just had the new testament we understand how emotional jesus was and is about us and we can just say oh yes he loved us very much and we can just wrap it up basically with that but it's it's real human stories like the story of the of the of the house of saul it's stories like that that actually really get us to understand just how much jesus puts this love into us because david is described as a man after god's own heart and god being jesus you you often wonder we have we 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 are the saul sometimes and jesus is the david we rebuke and we get angry and we want to blame things and like i said at the very start david the only read it wasn't david that was the reason um it wasn't the the um it wasn't the threat that david held because david held absolutely no threat to saul um um in terms of um in terms of uh, a life or death threat it was the threat of his position and because david had that threat he then directed all of his problems into david and we can relate to that with a lot of things if there's something inconvenience if there's something that isn't going to go our way we can put everything that is not going our way into that and and just sort of you know put everything into that and beat it up black and blue and we we just we, it makes us feel good it makes us give us a, it feels a purpose it, it you know what it does it lets us it lets us make our anger our hate our our sadness it gives them an excuse to keep on going it gives our depression an excuse to be a thing and i think that's quite prevalent in our society people often look for reasons why they're depressed for reasons why they get to feel the way they want to feel i get to feel this way because this has happened to me and and if that isn't sorted then i'm never going to get better and we look at the story and actually david was david was fine with it david and it, it got to the and there was many many moments in the early parts where Saul did go back to God and he worshipped God a lot and he still was a great believer in God. And in fact, Samuel tells Saul, look, you'll be with me tomorrow. It'll all be over tomorrow. It doesn't say how. It can go anyway. He's going to get killed either way. And all of this is running through Saul's mind and he, he'd rather kill himself than be killed by somebody who's uncircumcised. He would rather, right? And this is this is really significant. He would rather do something to himself right in order to preserve his name to god he has upset god non-stop god has turned his face away from all those years ago 
Saul's just been trying to get that back, but his anger and his rage has been getting in the way time and time again. Remember Doeg, the psychopath who killed 85 priests that yep. then resulted in the absolute slaughter of uh, the city of Nob? All right. Yep. That, Saul's thinking about all these things. And the last thing, his last dying wish, the last thing he wants to do is upset God more. And in Saul's twisted way, thought being killed by an uncircumcised Philistine is just gonna it's just gonna bring dishonor to him and the family of God. So he thought, look, I'll just do it myself. I will show God that finally, look, I'm just gonna come to you in a final last ditch effort and I just whatever happens, happens because look, I can't do it. He even asked he asked his shield he asked his armor bearer to kill him. Because it was better for a circumcised friend somebody who could bring honor to him but and it's even sadder because once he killed himself this boy didn't know what to do and then he fell upon his own sword and you know it's just completely tragic now what was i saying about how david is a little bit like jesus and we can be a little bit like saul we're obviously not as dramatic as this story like we're not have we're not fighting wars we're not leading a country it's like what we say about dragons there's not literal dragons we have to fight they're in our heads they're in our lives yes the same way with um because paul certainly had his dragons and his dragon got the better of him um god is in control of the dragons though you know like i, I was talking to um somebody earlier and they were like ben pray that God opens doors and shuts doors for you. He shuts some doors and he opens some doors. And I said, like, I don't really agree with that. I, God creates all these doors. God creates doors. He creates opportunities. All right. And he's made us with our gifts and with our talents and with our understanding of the world to then choose a path. All right, so he's equipped us right from when we're born. He has equipped us with our minds to then choose a path. Okay, now you're probably look look even when Saul saw no other option but to kill himself. Every, somebody would look at that and say all the doors shut and saw, but no, because God already knew through Samuel. Because Samuel said, "You will be with me tomorrow." So actually, there's already a door still open. God creates these doors. God creates every single opportunity. God creates every single path that we can take. All right. And we're like, well, how do I know which one God wants me to take? He has equipped you with the tools and gifts that you have to choose the path that will give him the most glory. Uh, Corinthians says, um, do all things to the glory of God. You know, because no matter how you look at it, God is this being this force of nature this the reason why there's so many conflicts in people's heads and and battles in the old testament it's because everyone's trying to forward the kingdom of god you've got the side of good who are trying to forward the kingdom of god and you've got the side of evil who are trying to destroy the kingdom of god and um a lot of people are like well what kind of god would would, would forward destruction well it's not you're either this is this is this is actually interesting to think about you're either for the destruction of god 
if you want to destroy God, you destroy man. Because what is it that will replace God? Sexual immorality, violence, um, a, a, a complete decline in in uh, morality. Uh, the Bible, all of Western civilization, pretty much the foundation is the Bible. We are all of who we are today, the way we think. And Jordan, Pe- I was listening to Jordan Peterson video about this. He talks about how we are our thoughts, and there's a hierarchy of thought, just like our society is. And the foundation of that would be most likely the Bible, just like how we have an overarching thought. And he talks about how, um, say, you're in a really, really strong relationship with someone, and um, you have an agreement, say, with your wife, and you have an agreement that you know you do dishes, um, day after, like um, uh, so you do your dishes one dishes one day, she does dishes the other day. And then uh, she she misses the dishes one day. Now, that's not going to cause any problems. That's just going to say, all right, no problem at all. That's okay. And hopefully you got... But if she does that 10 times, then, you know, you start to question. They're like, well, well, we had a system here. What's going on? And so you dig kind of deeper into these surfaces. As soon as things start to um, go against that first foundational thought, that first agreement of doing dishes or set, or more to the point, the Bible... As soon as you start to disagree, as soon as you start to turn around and go back on that foundation, you begin to question things. Questioning things like why the battles, why the blood, questioning things, why what's going on with the wars in my head? Why do I have to face so many dragons? Look at what David did. All right. Look what David did. He wrote Psalms. He did Every, he committed every single one of his actions to the Lord. Every single thing he does, he prays, Lord, go before me. Every single thing he does. And there's a reason, there's a reason, right, that the Psalms, most of the Psalms were written by David because he was the only person on earth qualified to write these Psalms because he was the only person on earth who had the relationship that we only dream of having with God. He let down, all right, he let down God big time with the Bathsheba, all right, with his two big sins, all right, which was he committed adultery, so he basically slept with another man's wife and then he killed the man in hopes that he doesn't find out by putting him on the front line. And that got back to him and it was it was a big, bad, very bad picture and that's one of the things that David is most famous for. But it's so amazing that the other thing he's most famous for is the man being is the man known for being after God's own heart. Is that not insane? Is that not show how how boundless the grace of God is? You can both be an extremely despicable kind of person, but still be the kind of person that I want to see you in my kingdom one day. That's the love and the grace of God. You can be a despicable, horrible person, but God can still love you and say, I want you in my kingdom one day. The same way David looked at Saul. Saul wanted to kill David every time he saw him. But David mourned Saul. He wanted Saul in his kingdom. He wanted Saul to be a part of his life. He wanted Jonathan to be a part of his life. He got kind of a piece of Saul and Jonathan with M, um, um, Saul's grandson, son of Jonathan. He got that, but it wasn't enough. All of this could have been avoided if Saul just didn't have this problem now what is that problem the problem is sin the problem is our own self-doubt that problem is our dragons all right and that problem has been there ever since the start of the of the of the, of, 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 of us all all right sin is the biggest killer of men not god it was sin that killed the most men sin is the biggest killer all right i talk about well 
people wanted I, I had somebody tell me the other day the only reason why people wanted to eliminate the armies of god is because they're so sick of um the armies of god eliminating them because the armies of god win every time and we're like well let's let's take it in an alternate universe what happens if they if um god uh quote unquote is defeated and the armies of people who just want to do what they want take over chaos there's no structure there's no moral structure that foundation that i was talking about earlier that's gone good and evil are just opinions i feel i want to do something that could forward my life my family the the well-being of my children if i do this and i do it right then we'll be completely okay it's like all those like crime families that you hear about throughout history oh we murdered 16 men because they were guarding a bunch of cash because I want my children to attend college. I want my children to be out of poverty. And everyone's like, well, nice. Look at Thanos' flip sake in the, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. He, sa- he, wa- he had this really good reason. People are dying everywhere. If I half the population, then everything will be okay. You know, people will be completely fine. And in time they can, you know, you get these twisted heroes who have a, or villains, sorry, who say what they want to do is for the the good of all things god is not like that god is not thanos he's not gonna wipe out you know the the main difference is he's not gonna wipe out so many people just so that the others can live the difference is thanos wanted to do it because he wanted others to live as themselves god doesn't want us to live as ourselves god doesn't want us to continue to live as ourselves god wants us to be better all right god wants us to not be like saul but be like david god understands and that's the way out that saul had god understands exactly how saul was because saul ended up in heaven in the end god saul ended up with samuel with his three sons died dead beside him with his ward beside him god doesn't want us to continue as we are god wants us to change god wants us to rise above the torments and the storms and the dragons inside our heads so that one day we can forward the kingdom of god on earth to prepare it for the actual kingdom of god and this is why the stories of the old testament are so so important to who we are today because they're so flipping serious they show exactly what kind of god god is he is going to do whatever he takes to protect his kids he is going to do whatever he takes to protect his family all right and it says in psalm 91 and sources say moses wrote psalm 91 because he holds fast to me in love i will deliver him this is what god is saying by the way so god says because he which is us so because you hold fast to me in love i will deliver you i will protect you because he knows my name because you know my name when he calls to me i will answer him i will be with him in trouble i will rescue him and honor him with long life i will satisfy him and show him my salvation the psalms are full of quotes like that by the way absolutely full of quotes like that and the psalms are old testament you know and uh, I've, i've wrote down here um Old Testament are events leading to Christ. The New Testament is Christ being the example, and the present is now when we are like the Christian, and when we are the Christian attempting to be like Christ. And it's interesting because no one currently, right now, can predict every, every single thing that's going to happen tomorrow. We are all of us that are alive are experiencing the exact same time presently, right now. That's massive. 
all of us right now are experiencing the exact same time. What are you using that time for? Are you forwarding the kingdom of God if you're listening to this and you're a Christian? And if you're not a Christian, the kingdom of God is coming. We're trying to prepare for that. We want to people to be better. All right. And as Christians, we can never be better. We can never be better than other sinners because at the end of the day, we're all sinners. The only way we can be better is actually nothing we can do, but what God, what Jesus Christ did for us. You know, it's not by work. It's not, it, it, it's not by works, but by faith that you have been saved. You've been saved through faith. That's the s- summary of it. Now, somebody commented the, um, saying God who kills armies, massacres children, in the old testament somehow wants us to believe that a carpenter was nailed on a cross by romans and that's how we can be saved it's a really big difference well actually it's the most human thing and possible because only a human story can save human human beings and that's exactly what the story is the story of christ the story of david the story of saul it's all human it's all follows the exact same pattern that me and josh have been talking about for the past year now it all follows a pattern that will ultimately end with God. And my question to you is, where are you going to be? You need salvation. You need forgiveness. You need to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, because only then that you will have eternal happiness and eternal rest. Saul got his rest in the end. How many people are tormented? How many people are depressed? How many people are anguished and are cannot experience rest? Only Jesus Christ can save you. Only something exterior from the human race can... Because uh, what C.S. Lewis says, C.S. Lewis says, if we find in this world that nothing can satisfy, then we're clearly made for another world. It's as simple as that. We were made... Souls were not made to die. We were made to live on and be in a perfect relationship with our Father in Heaven. We messed it up. And only Jesus, through Him, can we be saved. So yeah, that is the end of part two of David and the end of David, really. I would highly recommend you read on about how David reacts to just how God punishes him, how God deals with him, but also how God loves him. Um, Absolutely fantastic, First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings. Just high, high, even if you're not a Christian, just give them a read. And then read Matthew. Just all of Matthew, because there's so many things in Matthew that actually tells us exactly about how God deals with these kinds of things. It talks about the end of the world in Matthew as well. Just, you need to be on the kingdom, you need to be on the side of the kingdom of God. And there's no neutral ground. Because like I said earlier, what would happen if the kingdom of God lost? Then we would destroy ourselves. Because if we all just indulge in what we want to do, hurt is surely to follow. I want to serve God for the rest of my life. That's what I want to be doing. That's what I feel like I'm doing now. I want people to share that passion. Because it's the realest thing in the world. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, as as very good, Ben. One thing that's... Uh, by the way, I'm, I feel dead because I got this vaccine. So that's <laughs> not, not very targeted at the minute. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, one thing that strikes me as quite powerful is you, when you're reading the later stages of Saul's life, um, you can sort of you can sense his desperation, his, his despair. 
you're like there's no way there's no way for him there's Jimin mm. he's covered in darkness looking for this light that he feels is inaccessible and in a way it sort of was in a way what God turned his face away from Saul would you say that or wait God felt God, God told Saul look you had your chance but in by no means did that mean God stopped using Saul yeah you know but you can um because it because it is like say like any any Christian any self-proclaiming Christian uh, you may look at them from the outside and be like they've got their life in order they've got this they must have this lovely relationship with God they must be living in bliss all the time they must be living this perfect perfectly moral life all these people on the internet all these pastors that are got these big communities got all these all big words. podcasts all these sermons oh, they must be really good people they must be living in perfect uh, harmony with God all the time but when you when you live it out you realise that's that's not that's not the way the Christian faith always works. Yeah, we and betray our faith every single day. Every single Christian betrays their faith every single day. That's the hardest part about being a Christian is the guilt that we can never actually be like Christ. But that's the reason, that's the very reason for Christ. And you could have being a self, like a, like a positive feedback loop or a negative feedback loop saying... Because you can say I messed up, and you did. Whatever you probably did mess up, and then you feel bad about that, and you just the self-loathing guilt, which is this, which is in you know that's also not good. Yeah. And then it's a feedback. And then it just keeps on right? going and going and rolling. And then you turn away from the face of God even further, and I feel like that's what the later stages of Saul portrays, and. In my life, I've discovered that say if you feel if you feel distant, right? If you're like, what's what's going on here? What can I do? So you feel lost. I think it's always the place where you can always start is showing love for others. Because hmm. what did Jesus say? The greatest command was love your the. Lord your God with all your, your, all your heart and the second is like it love your neighbour as yourself mm-hmm. the two most important commandments and there's always room for you loving someone else absolutely so uh, just on the on what we said about Saul there finally how Saul turned his face away from him but by no means did he stop using him every single person alive just because you're not a Christian just because you're not part maybe of God's family that doesn't mean God isn't real to you that doesn't mean God isn't using you the reason why we have a podcast like if if <laughs> if God wasn't using me and Josh and didn't have people talking to us all the time about God then we wouldn't make this podcast so the people who we've been talking to who aren't Christians have a key are a key component in how this podcast was created you know just because you don't know God doesn't mean that he doesn't know you. So yeah, we will 
discuss more on that subject on or one one final point I oh yeah absolutely um, yeah go ahead uh, so what did David do he took the the lineage of Saul or and Jonathan and he basically solved the whole he solved it he solved it the equation yeah. he combined the families pretty much so yeah. there's no longer as you said we don't hear a mention of Saul's family after that but you can think about it we, we do because Saul's family is now David's family yeah. they're united in this forgiveness and love yeah, it's, it's quite kind, beautiful. It went, it, yeah, it went full circle. David, David became like a son to Saul. Yeah, and then now Jonathan's sons, who Saul's grandson, became a son to David, and it went full circle and it completed. And <laughs> we'll come full circle with God. We were born, and we turned our backs and only when we die we'll become full circle and we will be fully left and we will it says over and over again um m so jonathan's yeah. um grandson he says is, over is m not it, the name of the person seven. i don't know <laughs> um but this boy is it says about four times he will eat at my table he will eat at my table he will yeah. eat at my table that literally means he will be my son and he will eat my table <laughs> yes and he will never go uh, hungry and i will look after him but uh that is just a mirror that's just a minor fraction of the love of god that he will show us in the final days of glory but we got to forward his kingdom just like the old testament armies did forwarding the kingdom of god preparing mm. for the kingdom of god to come down my thoughts actually go to Samuel or um, Daniel at the minute where he's constantly bombarded and he got so depressed about the dreams of the end times. You know, like there's so many little things in the Bible that link to our mental states. And every single time it happens, there's always a way to cope with it. Um, You know, in Daniel, he, there was other people he got to talk to other wise men who got to talk to that interpreted what he was feeling you have the prophets but the most important thing that we have we have our bibles you know there's every single word said that god felt necessary that we need to hear we've got our bibles we have that gateway to communicate with god for him to communicate to us and then how we communicate to him is how we live our lives how we pray so we have to pray we live our lives like a son or a daughter of god and we continue to to forward it. We fight our dragons. We fight them in the name of the of the Lord, and we bring glory in defeating them. And if they defeat us, then that's a lesson. That's a lesson that we had to learn. And then, we, and after learning that lesson, we continue on, and we teach people about the lessons we learned. And if only somebody could write it all down, so that other people can learn from us. That's what the Bible is. You know, God said, right. All these lessons are happening. We have to we have to find a way to write them all down so that the future, so that my future children, the, the Bible is the kingdom of God, is so that our future children will know exactly how to forward the kingdom of God. It's just such a simplistic but powerful way of getting the message across. Literally. <laughs> but um, do you have anything else to add? No, good episode. Well right. done, well done. What's uh, next on your list of heroes of old? Heroes of old, episode three. We or are going to have 
dun, dun, and dun. next time we're going to have Ruth next time Ruth Ruth Little stay tuned stay tuned and thank you for listening to accessory to thoughts subscribe comment and share definitely share yeah thank you so much for listening have a lovely day bye bye goodbye <laughs>